the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh uh-huh. 
Cana land is yours. Cana land is yours. Almighty God, you've called us. You've called us out of Egypt. And you've said, don't go back that way again. Lord, as I open this word today, would you move with power in our hearts? Would you flow with healing in our spirits? Lord, we don't have anything without your Holy Spirit. We don't have preaching. We don't have music. We don't have a fellowship. Lord, we haven't set up all the artificial structures. Lord, we're totally dependent upon you and upon the presence of your Holy Ghost. Lord, come now and deal faithfully with our hearts and cause us to deal faithfully with you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. The children of Israel were called. Moses led them with a rod upstretched above that Red Sea, and that sea parted. And that one million people strong crossed over on dry ground, and then that great ocean slammed shut behind them. And they were in the wilderness, called out of Egypt, no longer to participate in the things of darkness, but to walk under the fire of God. All of you have been called, likewise, out of Egypt. You've been called to leave behind the flesh pots of Egypt. You've been called to leave behind the ways of the Egyptians. You've been called to leave behind all the gods of the world and to come out with God into that desert place. And in that desert place, we have been disciplined with barrenness in this fellowship. I praise God for his barrenness and for the discipline. Likewise, the children of Israel were disciplined by barrenness. They had no place to earn money so they could go shop at the mall. They had no place to go get the latest New York fashions. They were shut away with God in the wilderness, and there God was dealing with their hearts. They went to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, and there God came down in fire and thunder, and he spoke to his people. He spoke those ten great principles. And the people were so terrified, they said, don't let God talk to us anymore, because we'll die if he talks to us. And the Lord said, you're right, from now on, I'll choose a prophet to talk with you. And Moses, you're my prophet. So 40 days, he was up on that mountain. And the people said, we don't know what's happened to this man. I don't know where he is. 
let's go back and get our gods from Egypt. And they set up the prosperity God. Isn't that interesting? When they didn't know what had happened to this man of fire and power and anointing, they went to their prosperity God. Oh, and today in the body of Christ, we don't see the fire anymore. We don't see the power. So we've gone to the prosperity gods. After all, if God is not going to show up, let's at least make money. I mean, money is what we need to solve our problems, right? We can buy our lifestyle. It just takes money. It doesn't take God. It doesn't take the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to tell you, God is dealing with his people. And he's soon going to take away their calf gods. And all they're going to have left is the Holy Spirit. So Moses came down off that mountain. God said, my people have become corrupt. The word corrupt meaning spoiled like rotten fruit. No longer edible. You recognize that the food of God was his people. Just as when Jesus came amongst us, he said, my body is your food. My broken body and my spilled blood, that's your food. That's what Jesus was to us. Well, we are God's food. And so the Lord God of heaven took away their Baal God. He built a sanctuary for him. He said, my presence will always dwell with you. The glory of God came down upon it, no longer burning and thundering on the mountain. But now the presence of God is actually in the middle of the camp. Aaron's sons, they couldn't stand this much God this close. So they got drunk. Put strange fire before God. And the fire of God came out right in the middle of the camp and killed them. Now everybody's terrified. This God that dwells amongst us, we might die. Oh, he did the same thing in the New Testament church. Ananias and Sapphira, they said, we're being faithful before God. Here's, here's our money. Peter said, why have you tempted the Holy Ghost? And they dropped dead right in the middle of the church. When the Holy Spirit comes again, it won't be with laughter and gold dust. It's going to be with the fire of God. It's going to be with conviction of sin. It's going to be with righteousness. And he's going to cleanse his people. They built this sanctuary. The presence of God came into it. Now, they're 11 days walk from Cana land. That's all. From Mount Sinai to Cana land is 11 days walk walk with the children and the livestock 11 days and he says to them Cana land is yours come on in come on in I'll dwell amongst you and several things then began to happen 
these same things have happened amongst us and are continuing to happen amongst us. And they must stop. I'm going to go through them one by one. The first thing that happened in Numbers, the 10th chapter, is that Moses now, as they're ready to begin their 11-day walk to Canaan, says to Jethro, his father-in-law, come and join together with us, and we'll share with you all of the wonderful provision of God in Canaan. You will have a share with us. We will treat you well. And Jethro says, no. Verse 30, no, I will not go. I'm going to go back to my own land and my own people. I'm not going to go to Canaan. I'm going back to my people. He was an occultic priest. He was a pagan heathen. And he had no interest in going on. Oh, but let's look at something else. What did Jethro want to do amongst God's people? He wanted to teach them a management style. He wanted to reorganize them. And so we've had those come and say, Pastor Ray, you've got to reorganize the church. You've got to set up committees and you've got to set up programs and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And if you get all that together, the church will work. And some of us have had to say a fond farewell to Jethro's. I would urge you to pine no more for Jethro. It doesn't end there. Look at chapter 11. Remember, 11 days out of the promised land. Now it's even less than 11 days out. And the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. So now the people are saying, you know, this 11-day walk is a lot tougher than I thought it would be. We're going to be out here in this desert forever. I don't believe Cana land is only 11 days away. How am I ever going to manage? My muscles are sore after five days. How am I going to? And, and besides that, I'm sick of this manna. I'm sick of this manna. Oh, we don't say that today. We say we're sick of this holiness. Sick of this tough word. Give me some go in church. <laughs> Give me some music. Give me some donuts. Is that the word of the church today? Buy donuts. We're sick of this manna. Let's have donuts. It's not time for donuts. It's time for manna. The word of God is manna. This is what sustains our life. Are you tired of reading the scriptures through from Genesis to Revelation? Are you rebelling in your heart and saying, I don't have time? Same thing the children of Israel said. We don't have time to go out there and gather this manna on our knees. You know, it was always on the ground. Jesus tells us later in the book of Numbers, 
Deuteronomy that the reason he gave them the manna was first to make them hungry and then to humble them because they had to get down on their knees to collect the manna. And they had to do it in the morning hours. Well, we don't want to get up early and go get our manna. We want to get up early, have our coffee, and go to our, our Baal gods. No. Eleven days travel. We'll be in Cana land. Forget the coffee and donuts. Oh, but they're complaining. They want chicken. They want, they want chicken. They remember that in Egypt they had fish and leeks and onions. You know, they had the spice of life. And all they have here is this plain old manna. No cayenne pepper in it. You know, they want a little cayenne pepper and they want some fish. They're tired of this manna. You know, why can't we have the redskins? Why can't we have the bullets? Why can't we have our hip hop? Why can't we have? Why can't we have? Why can't we have? Dad, why can't we have? You know, I remember when we used to. These people, they wanted Cana land, but before they got to Cana land, they wanted one more go around with the world. Numbers, the 11th chapter, verse 34. Therefore, the place was named Graves of Craving because they, they buried the people there who had craved other food. Happy with the manna? Would you want other food? Ah, the anger of the Lord burned against them. Oh, but but they're not they're not there yet. Chapter twelve. Miriam and Aaron begin to speak up against Moses and say, Does the Lord only speak through him and not us as well? Aren't we somebody here too? And shouldn't we have a say about how the journey goes? You know, shouldn't we pass out a questionnaire this afternoon and have all of you identify your gifts and assign you a wonderful place of labor so you can have your say too? I mean, shouldn't you have your job where you can get your moment of glory? Aren't you somebody? And God said, come on out. I want to meet you in the woodshed. They have their say, and God has his say, and Miriam has leprosy. And Aaron finally becomes concerned and says, Oh, my Lord, different attitude. You know, in this house, last Thursday night, would all of you please, the direction of the Spirit, just write out a simple description of where you are, Spiritually, bring that on Sunday. We come to the prayer circle and I discover that many of you didn't do it. Oh, I forgot. I was too busy. What? 
rebellion against the Spirit. And even the simplest of requests, something rises up in our hearts that says, now who do you think you are? I'll do what I want to do. Don't tell me. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to do, Pastor. All right, I won't. I trust Jesus too. But when he tells me, I'm going to tell you. You're going to rebel then? In the simplest, most innocuous thing. So I had to say, look, everybody in the prayer circle who hasn't written out their spiritual report, please leave. How are you going to pray when you're in rebellion? Some of you looked at me like I was persecuting you. What do you mean leave? Please leave. You can't pray when you're in disobedience. You'll block our prayers. So half of the prayer circle leaves. And heaven opens and we can reach God. And this is just in a tiny little thing. That we would say has no real importance. I mean, what were Moses and Aaron upset about? They were upset because Moses had married a black lady. And so Moses' brother and sister are talking against this beautiful Cushite woman. Just a little family feud going. No, it wasn't. It wasn't just a little family feud. It was rank rebellion. And God treated it as rebellion. As we make the journey, 11 days, let's look at what's really going on. Egypt is always a symbol of the world. The desert is always a symbolic place of discipline before the Holy Spirit. It's a place where we're taught to trust in God. What is Canaan? Well, before we get to that, come back and look at one more part of the desert. The desert is the place where we cut off all sin. The New Testament refers to the Red Sea as a baptism. In other words, they were born again when they came up out of that Red Sea. And now they are regenerated. Regenerated means to be made new. And now they're not going to walk in rebellion and sin against Almighty God. Sin is not going to be the normal part of their lives. They're going to spend their time on Saturdays resting before God. All resting means was stopping. It was not a day of worship, by the way. It was a day to stay in your tents and do nothing. It was a day to be family together. No manna came on that day because they had enough from Friday. When Jesus came, for us, the desert is that place where we rest in Jesus. He is our resting place. 
We have laid aside our Baal gods. We have left our life of sin. We have been born again, and we're now walking in the desert. And the desert symbolically is what the world is to us. It no longer holds any allure for us. It no longer has any interest for us. We are now separated out unto God. And we have entered into Jesus Christ. And he is the manna. He is the food we eat. And he is the drink we drink. And when we look at the world, we no longer see it as a place with vivid colors and actions that attract and appeal to this to the lust of our heart because that's all been cut off. We've been regenerated. We've been born again. We've gone to the cross. We've died. And now we're out here totally dependent upon God. Now, I recognize that some of you are going to have a hard time with what I'm saying because you don't see being born again that way. You've been lied to by the modern church that says when you're born again, you're saved, but you continue to walk in your sin. Nowhere in Scripture is it taught. When you are regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you are born again, you leave your life of sin. You no longer walk in sin. You have victory by the blood. And now you walk out into that desert, and you would surely die in that desert if the fire of God were not present. Only the fire of God can keep you alive. Only the provision of God's hand will save you. We have to begin to learn how to live in the desert until he makes it blossom in the land of Canaan. What is the Cana land? The Cana land is when we are entirely sanctified. Did you know God has made heaven available for us here? What is heaven? If heaven is not utter, complete, and total fellowship with the Father, what is heaven? Is heaven just gold streets? Fancy houses? No, it's Jesus. Jesus is our heaven. And so when we come out into that desert, we come to a place where finally as we cry out to the Lord and we say, Lord, you see these tendencies in my heart. You see how I can get caught with the food of the world. You see how I want to get things ordered my way. You see how I murmur against your people. You see that I come back and I still step into that. I repent of this, God. I don't want even the temptation in my heart. And I'm going to press into you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you through this desert until you get me to the Cana land. And Cana land is the land of love, peace, joy, absolute dependence on the Lord. Where no longer is there any concern in our heart for what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, where we live. All of those are supplied. Now we seek only first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all else is added unto us. Do you understand? We're only 11 days out of Canaan land. And some of you have said to me, Pastor, how, 
How long will it take for me to be sanctified? A day? Two days? Maybe even 11 days. If you're giving up your Baal gods. If you're no longer going to walk in rebellion against Moses. If you're willing to submit your heart unto the Lord. But I have to warn you, you could die out there. You can die in the desert. You see, the children of Israel, when they walk in such rebellion against God, after he came in and destroyed Jerusalem, he sent the Babylonian hordes, those Persians came in and just destroyed the city. The Lord said, now, you children of Israel, you think that now I've destroyed Jerusalem, you can just go out and be like all the other people. You think you can now just go out and, and live a normal life. You think you can go back now to Egypt? It's not going to happen, he says. I'm going to take you back out into the desert, and I'm going to judge you there. You see, they would have been much better off had they just stayed in Egypt and served the Egyptians and not followed the Almighty God. But once they began to follow the Almighty God, they were bound to him for eternity. And if they rebelled against him, they died in the desert. Judgment came upon them. Now I can tell you frankly, None of you in this house will have the option of going back and living a normal life in the world. You've been called by the Holy Spirit. You've been called to step into obedience to the word of the living God. His intention is to walk you straight on through that desert. Even though you may turn back to the food of the world, even though you may turn back to the prosperity of the world, he's going to call you out of that. He'll punish you, he'll discipline you, and he's going to call you out of that. You may then pout about it a while. And the Lord has been dealing with some of you on your food issues. He's been dealing with you on your money issues. He's been dealing with you on your angry man issues. He's been dealing with you on all kinds of issues. He does not intend to deal with you always on those issues. He's asking you to get into the prayer closet and deal with him, doing business with Almighty God until the business is done and the power of the blood has broken that bondage of your heart. Because his intention is to take you those 11 days into Canaan land. He's given it to you. He's given it to you. It belongs to you. He bought it with his blood at the cross. The blood of Jesus has bought for you holiness. The blood of Jesus has bought for you complete obedience to the Father. He has bought for you a new heart and a clean spirit. He has bought this for you. It belongs to you. Now you have to claim it, but you can't keep your Baal God and the God of heaven. You can't keep your fish and your leeks and your cayenne 
the world's food and the bread of heaven, the manna. You can't have it both. You're either going to have Jesus or you're going to be disciplined because he's called you. Now, with the children of Israel, he gave them his law. And he said, look, you either obey my law or I'm going to bring my curses on you and I'm going to kill you. They finally said, go ahead and kill us because we can't keep your law. So he sent his son and his son died on Calvary for us, shed his blood. And now he comes to us and he says, do I still want you to be perfect before me? Absolutely. Same standard. Same standard. The difference is, now I'll give you my blood to make it possible. Now I'll give you my blood. I'll, I'll put my spirit in you. I'll write my laws on your heart. You don't have to work hard at keeping my law anymore. I'll just put my law in your heart so that when you're doing what is natural to you, it will be to keep my law. That's glory. I want to show you that. Look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart. Put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. No, I'm not going to go back to the veil gods. Because I have the peace of Jesus in my heart. I'm not rebelling against him. I'm walking in obedience. There's no volitional rebellion in my heart toward Almighty God. That's being sanctified. Am I different than anybody? No, I'm just the same, except all of my rest is now in Jesus. I trust Jesus to step in and do his part. His part is to sanctify us. Now, does this mean that, that no temptation can come to me? Did temptations come to Jesus? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did Jesus suffer under that temptation? Yeah. Yes. So when a man or woman is sanctified, all that's being said is, this man has been touched by the power of God, and he has made a decision, he's going into Cana land, and he's being taken right on in by Jesus. We're no longer walking in rebellion, no longer walking in worldly wisdom, no longer trusting in the flesh, but totally looking to Jesus and trusting what Jesus wants to do. That's all sanctified means. To be made holy means to set apart for a special purpose. And some of you in this house have been called to be holy. And you were, you were made holy. You were sanctified. And then the temptation came. And because of immaturity, 
because of your own heart, you said, I'm going to go back to Egypt. I don't know where God is. After the children of Israel got into Canaan, did they go back and pick up their Baal gods? Yes, they did. And what did God do? He came and disciplined them. And he's going to discipline me. If I step out of his will, he will discipline me in a second. So today the call of God in this house is to come on into Cana land where we're at absolute rest with the Father, where we're no longer rebelling, where we're no longer walking in our own ways, but we have put our rebellion under the blood of Jesus Christ. And now all that our heart desires is the food of heaven. All our, all our thirst is for is the blood of heaven. All we desire now is to no longer be self-centered and selfish, but to be consumed by the glory of Jesus, to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. You see, we would rather fix our eyes on ourselves, even if that means we're going to beat ourselves up. Because we can still be the center of our universe. God is calling us to no longer be the center of our universe, but to let Jesus take his rightful place as Lord and Master over our hearts. Eleven days out of Canaan, they said, let's send out spies and explore the land. They sent the spies in, and what did they find? They found lush gardens. They found every possible provision, but they also found giants in Cana land. And they said, these giants, we can't take. We're like we're like grasshoppers before these giants. They'll squash us. Joshua and Caleb said, no, let's go in. We can do it. Now, right now, you're facing this. That lust of your heart, that sin rises up before you. And it says, look, you are my slave and you cannot beat me. You belong to me. You belong to me. Don't even think about getting free. You can go to church and you can worship the Lord God of heaven all you want. But don't imagine that you will change your behavior or your ways. It's not going to happen. I am your master. There's the report. What are you going to do? <laughs> Kill him by the blood of Jesus, by the sword of the spirit. Or are you going to say, you're right. I can't get the victory over this food deal. I can't get the victory over my bills. I can't get the victory. I might as well just go eat worms. I can't do it. Woe is me. You see, sin would just love to have you go into a pity party because sin dwells in pity parties. 
Sin dwells in anger and bitterness. Sin dwells in depression and discouragement. Sin dwells in every kind of prideful place. But oh, I tell you what, sin cannot dwell in the blood of Jesus Christ. Sin cannot dwell in the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're in Jesus, you're not in sin. If you're in sin, you're not in Jesus. Now you have to choose. You're 11 days out. Maybe you're five days out. What are you going to do? Over and over and over through the Old Testament, you find God always dealing, not conceptually with his people. Instead, he's dealing with their behavior. He's dealing with what they do on a daily basis. He's concerned about what's going to happen when you leave this house tonight. He's concerned about what you're going to do when you sit down to that table. He's concerned about what you're going to do for fun. He's concerned about what you're going to say to others. He's concerned about your ways, your practices. Will you be holy? He bought you with his blood. He paid the price for your sin. And he's calling you into Cana land. And Cana land is filled with giants who are determined they will not move out. Oh, you thought it was a cakewalk? You thought, I'm just going to live this way until I die, and then suddenly I'm going to be changed, and I'll be made holy, and I can go on into heaven. In every one of the messages to the churches, Jesus says the same thing. To him who overcomes... I give the right to eat of the tree of life. To him who overcomes, I'll give a white stone and a new name. To him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden secret manna. You know the white stone is sanctification. You know the manna is the body of Jesus. So we've left Egypt behind. The Red Sea is closed behind us. You're all Christians. You've been to your Mount Sinai where you set up your Baal gods. You argued about making sure everything went your way. You fought for your rights. You complained about the food and said, I'll have my Egyptian food. Thank you very much. But now you're just outside Cana land, filled with giants. And the Lord has said to the National Prayer Chapel, Cana land is yours. Go on in. I'm bringing you today a good report. I'm telling you that it's a land flowing with love with milk and honey. It's a land of joy and peace. It's a land of health and provision. But it's filled with giants. 
And either you're going to use that powerful blood of Jesus Christ, wipe those Amalekites out, or you're going to die in the desert. And your children will go, will go in. Another generation will go in. And you can leave this house today and say, the pastor's crazy. I'm going to live my life in sin and I'm going to claim the blood of Jesus to cover me. I'm going to go do church. I'm going to hear all the wonderful sermons and, and participate in all the wonderful parties and all the spitting and shouting. But after today, you'll know and I'll know you didn't go into Cana land. You're dying in the desert. Blowing in the wind. Going in circles. Ducking the poison snakes that are always after you. Trying to avoid the fire that burns the outer parts of your heart and life. Trying to miss the judgments of God. Oh, I want to tell you today. I don't want to spend one more moment of my life worrying about poison snakes. I don't want to spend any more of my life worrying about the money. Being concerned about my health. Do you know what joy it is today to know that Jesus on the cross provided healing for my body? Jesus on the cross provided food for my belly. Jesus on the cross provided a house for me to live in. Everything necessary was provided at the cross. He is the love of my heart. He is all I desire. And I want to just bear witness today and tell you the peace of God is more than anything I can imagine. I know it's in my heart. I'm resting in it. I have no worries. I have no heavy burdens. I have no concerns. I am at peace with the Father and I am at peace with Jesus by his blood. And now I'm waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God in my soul. I know it's coming. It has to come because he promised it. Some of you in this house today are not at peace. You're busy and concerned about many things. You're worried about the money. You're worried about the food. You're worried about the house. You're worried about relationships. You're worried about so many things. And you're so burdened down by it. You don't understand that, that your job belongs to Jesus. That your company belongs to Jesus. That all that you possess belongs to Jesus. And now all there is for you is to say, yes, I'll enter in. I'll let the blood cleanse my soul and wash away my sin. It's all there for you. I urge you, after this service, 
get in the prayer closet. Be honest with God about your rebellion and your disobedience. Be honest with God about your concerns, your worries. Be honest with God about how your disappointments have overwhelmed your heart. Be honest with him about how things haven't worked out the way you thought they ought to work out. And because things didn't work out the way you thought they should, you've taken the road of Egypt. But now you're ready to come home. He'll forgive you. He'll wipe away your sin. He'll plant his peace in your heart. Part of what I've learned about Jesus is that he never condemns. It's always the devil who condemns. Jesus always lifts us up, has compassion. He experienced everything we've experienced. He's a high priest that we need. Merciful, compassionate, tender-hearted, slow to anger. Welcome to Cana land. Oh, Lord, it's Cana land or bust. Lord, there just isn't any other place. And I'm asking you now to bring the entire National Prayer Chapel into Cana land. Lord, we can't pray. We can't intercede. We can't do the work you've called us to until we've come into Cana land. Lord, would you call this fellowship into your peace and into your rest? Would you wipe away our sin? Would you forgive us our rebellion, our iniquity? Would you cause us to make restitution for those things that we have done against you or against the church or against our brothers and sisters, against our husband or wife? Lord, those feelings, Lord God, show us how to make restitution. Lord, make us holy. Make us holy, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, P.O. Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.